0: Episode 110, Why You Must Avoid All Vaccines and Not Just the COVID, quote, Clot Shot. This is required reading if you have kids. I was going to write a similar article, but um, Unbecoming on Substack did it better, so I copied theirs. To subscribe to them or to look at the author's other posts, I had left a link, and a free subscription gets you all the material, and you can look at the archives at another link. This one's entitled... Dissolving my vaxxed illusions, breaking free from the prison of my mind. And his logo is Do Not Comply. And there's an image of the vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D dot com bus. uh, And at at the bottom it says, In 2016, a media firestorm erupted when Tribeca Film Festival abruptly censored its documentary selection, Vaxxed, from cover-up to catastrophe. Amid pressure from pro-pharmaceutical interests. Waking up to vaccination malfeasance has really gotten to me, and I'm wondering why it would bug me so much. I arrived in Australia in late 1992, having left war-torn Iraq. I chose to leave an authoritarian state and start a new life in what I considered to be the best address on earth. It never crossed my mind that the free state I ran towards was built on an invisible yet highly sophisticated authoritarian government corporate fascist enterprise that bullied its population to inject its children with multiple dangerous disease-causing chemicals for the greater good. Multi-generational indoctrination is real. Prisons of the mind are real. And so it is that the two beautiful children we brought into this, quote, free land... We injected with those chemicals, giving them a range of conditions that included stutter and delayed speech development, hyperactivity, asthma, vitiligo, hay fever. A fascist totalitarian enterprise managed to sleepwalk me into doing this. I wonder, are you hypnotized or are you free? I gradually came to terms with all this. To help you understand, I'm going to meander around this vaccination rabbit hole for quite some time. I'm about two-thirds through the book Dissolving Illusions, and without a doubt, it's one of the most important books I've ever read. Books that reorient you to reality are pretty rare, and this is one of them. And the subtitle of this Dissolving Illusions is Disease, Vaccines, and the Forgotten History by Suzanne Humphreys, M.D., and Roman B-Y-S-T-R-I-A-N-Y-K. The book has 2,100 five-star Amazon reviews. It also has a website that includes a gallery of photos and graphs to help you see the declining and virtual vanishing of disease before vaccinations came along. And then there's an image of the whooping cough pertussis vaccine in the United States, which came into being long after the disease had decreased the deaths per 100,000 by over 95%. There's another graph about measles in England slash Wales that shows a similar thing. The disease had been declining and the deaths per 100,000 were less than 1% of what they were in the 1800s. The thesis proven in the book is that diseased disease vanished as water, nutrition, sanitation, sewerage, and working conditions improved. Vaccines did not rid us of disease. Our own immune systems did. Pharma simply came along and took the credit, and in so doing, made us all sick again. I recently watched Vax2, a profoundly important 216 documentary, and there's a link to that in the show notes from childrenshealthdefense.org. Suzanne Humphreys was one of the two authors that Dissolving Illusions featured prominently. And there's an image of her here too. Vax2 has the full weight of the censorship machine against it. If you have little kids that you're injecting according to the quote schedule, and especially if you have a baby on the way, this is for you. You will see firsthand what vaccine injury looks like. But even more importantly, you will see in the last 30 minutes what unvaccinated children look like. As emotional as I was listening to the injured, seeing what real health looks like in children who have never had a single injection is something else. Family after family comes on the screen and tells you that they've never needed to take their child to a doctor, that they never had an ear infection, and that they never had to take an antibiotic. Human natural immunity when left undamaged turns out to be a powerful shield against disease. Watching these super healthy children came on camera, one after the other made me think back to Kennedy Jr. in his Tyson interview when he said, quote, all of these injuries are directly linked to vaccines in the scientific literature. On our website, we have 1400 peer-reviewed studies published on the NIH's website, PubMed, linking various vaccines to all of these injuries. Well, they're making $60 billion a year selling us vaccines, but they're making $500 billion a year selling us the remedies for the injuries caused by the vaccines. The two least profitable versions of humanity are dead people and healthy people. The most profitable version is an unhealthy person. They have the greatest quote, lifetime value as an MBA would say, if they were studying profits. The system leans towards unhealth and sustaining itself. Unhealth sustains, health doesn't. Witnessing the better health of the unvaccinated, I couldn't help but reflect on the conditions that we gave to our children. Mine got off lightly as you will see from the stories of the injured. The documentary spends some time on Gardasil, which is HPV vaccine and Gardasil injured kids. Again, this was something that we sleepwalked our daughter into. And then there's a quote, I predict that Gardasil will become the greatest medical scandal of all times because at some point in time, the evidence will add up to prove that this vaccine has absolutely no effect on cervical cancer and that the very many adverse effects, which destroy lives and even kill, serve no other purpose than to generate profit for the manufacturers. <clears throat> that was a former Merck physician, Dr. Bernard Dalberg. The theory is that it will help prevent cervical cancer in girls and penile cancer in boys, but both claims are lies. At 42 minutes, Robert Kennedy Jr. explains that children who take the vaccine are 37 times more likely to die from the vaccine than from cervical cancer. I strongly recommend you watch this documentary and get others to watch it if you can. It might be the only place where you will see what healthy, unvaccinated kids and people look like. The next section is Dissolving Illusions begins with a wonderful foreword by Dr. Jane L. M. Donegan. In it, she describes her own awakening. Here's her story with some thoughts and comments along the way. Quote, vaccination is regarded as the most important health advance in the 20th century by most health professionals and lay people. Although the dramatic decreases in mortality and morbidity from the diseases that occurred in the course of the 20th century have been credited to the introduction of specific vaccines, scant acknowledgement has been given to improving social conditions. Despite questioning the safety and efficacy of vaccination by reputable medical men since its introduction, debate has been, and is, increasingly discouraged. Information published in scientific journals is used to support this position, other views being regarded as, quote, unscientific. It was a received, article of faith for me and my contemporaries, that vaccination was the single most useful health intervention that had ever been introduced. Along with all my medical and nursing colleagues, I was taught that vaccines were the reason children and adults stopped dying from the diseases for which there are vaccines. We were told that other diseases such as scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, typhus, typhoid, cholera, and so on, for which there was no vaccine at the time, diminished both in incidence and mortality, that's the ability to kill, due to better social conditions. This is such an obvious point. If vaccines got rid of a disease, did they get rid of every single disease? If not, what happened to the diseases that vaccines don't, quote, save us from? They just seem to go away. Why? Yep, you guessed it. Water, nutrition, sanitation, sewerage, and improved working conditions. Back to Donegan, quote, You would think, as medical students who are supposedly, supposed to be moderately intelligent, that some of us would have asked, But if deaths from these diseases decrease due to improved social conditions, might not the ones for which there are vaccines also have decreased at the same time for the same reason? But we didn't. The medical curriculum is so overloaded with information that you just have to learn what you hear as you hear it. Non-vaccinatable diseases into the social conditions box and vaccinatable diseases into the vaccines box and then on to the next subject. Everything I was taught and read in textbooks, both before I qualified as a doctor and through all my postgraduate training reinforced this view. Along with most doctors, I regarded parents who would not vaccinate their children as ignorant or, if not ignorant, sociopathic for withholding what I believed was a life-saving intervention and putting everyone else at risk by reducing herd immunity. In Vax2, many brave doctors show up for interviews. They are all asked what they were taught at university about vaccines. And they all say the same thing. Pretty much nothing. Just that there is a childhood vaccine schedule and that the kids need to stick to it. They even managed to get an immunologist with a PhD onto the show. The same thing. Nothing on risks, all on the benefit. Just make sure the kids get it. These are the foot soldiers of a drug cartel and I do not give them a pass. They might not get taught properly at university, but when they are let loose on the public, they shut down their curiosity. And pediatricians are the absolute worst. In Forrest Moretti's short book, Unvaccinated, Towards the End, he talks about what medical students study at university about vaccination. Quote, Physicians may spend a few hours learning the schedules recommended by the government and spend a few hours learning which vaccines should be administered subcutaneously under the skin as opposed to intramuscularly. Beyond that, they learn almost nothing about vaccines. I was so confused by hearing this, I bought every book listed on the medical curriculum of a prestigious medical school. I even bought some auxiliary books that were not required but on the optional quote, recommended reading list. After going through each and every book on the list, over thousands and thousands of pages, there were only four pages that talked about how vaccines work. There were 11 pages that listed the vaccine schedule recommended by the government. But besides that, four pages that talked about vaccines. I made a video about it showing the books and how little a prestigious medical school's curriculum spent teaching about vaccines. Many doctors and nurses got in touch with me to confirm this had been their experience in medical school. Of course, students learn more than what is taught from their school books, but I imagine the disparity continues into their classroom and residencies. Once I understood that doctors and nurses learned very little about vaccines in school, I began to realize why they are so hostile to people like myself who ask honest questions about them. I've written books on the subject, but there are many, many amateur anti-vaxxer mothers and fathers out there who are much, much smarter than me. Any of us could easily stump an average pediatric doctor or nurse on vaccines with some of our common knowledge. Now back to dissolving illusions in Dr. Jane L. M. Donegan. Quote, Indeed, at special clinics in the 1980s, I used to con- counsel pa- parents who wouldn't vaccinate their children against whooping cough, which was regarded as the problematic vaccine in those days. I acknowledged that there were dangers associated with the vaccine. I was a truthful doctor but I told them the official line that the disease was 10 times more likely to cause death or disability than the vaccine so any sane person would choose the vaccine. What changed? In 1994 there was a massive measles slash rubella vaccination campaign in the UK. Seven million school children were vaccinated against measles and rubella to protect them from an epidemic of measles which was said to be imminent. In those days, there was only one measles shot in the schedule. It was a live viral vaccine and was supposed to be like the wild measles virus. We were were told, quote, one dose and you are immune for life. I did realize that one shot, however, might not protect every child. No vaccine is 100% effective, but the chief medical officer said that even two shots of this, quote, one-shot vaccine would not necessarily protect children when the epidemic came and they would need a third. He also said the best way to vaccinate children was in mass to, quote, break the chain of transmission. This left me in a quandary. Obviously, the risk-to-benefit ratio of the vaccine was in favor of the vaccine if it was safer than the disease and if it stopped your child from getting the disease. This is what most parents expect to happen and certainly what they are encouraged to believe. But if children can have the one shot vaccine twice and still get the disease, so they need to have a third shot, this means that they can be exposed to all the risks of the vaccines two or three times, and at the same time, all the risks of the disease as well. Then I need to reevaluate what I've been saying to parents. Also, if the best way of, quote, breaking the chain of transmission of an infectious disease was to vaccinate en masse, why did we vaccinate babies with all those different vaccines at two, three, and four months of age? That's the UK schedule. Why didn't we just wait for two to three years and then vaccinate all those who had been born in the interim en masse to break the chain of transmission? Good question, she goes on. That was the start of my long, slow journey researching vaccination and disease ecology and learning about other models and philosophies of health and natural hygiene, such as those used by the great pioneers who cleaned up our cities and built clean water supplies and sewage systems. I spent hours in libraries looking at archived journals and textbooks and the Office for National Statistics, ONS, Getting out dusty volumes from the middle of the 19th century to make graphs of death rates from diseases for which we had vaccines but for which, for some reason, have not been drawn or made available to doctors or parents by the ONS or Department of Health. I read what prominent men of science, medical officers for health, and doctors wrote about vaccination and its sequela that have never made it into today's textbooks and found out what anyone with even a passing acquaintance with the disease figures of the 19th and 20th century knew. For example, by the 1950s, when the whooping cough vaccine was introduced, data showing that whooping cough was killing only 1% of the numbers of people who used to die in England and Wales 50 years before. Official data showed that the same happened with measles. Indeed, when the measles vaccine was introduced to the UK in 1968, the death rate continued to drop steadily even though the initial uptake of the vaccine was only 30% and didn't get above 50% until the 1980s. Even the much heralded success of smallpox vaccination was not what it seemed. The enforcement of the compulsory smallpox vaccination law in 1867, when the death rate was already falling, was accompanied by an increase in deaths from 100 to 400 deaths per million. Yes, the holy, Holy smallpox vaccine managed to increase smallpox death and prolong widespread smallpox disease for about a century. Smallpox vaccination is one of the greatest man-made medical disasters, exactly the opposite of what all medical textbooks and Google will tell you. As I recently described in this link, the COVID vaccination is a similar calamity. It too was manufactured by doctors, governments, and corporations. As Jane L.M. Donegan wrote, quote, After overcoming an awful lot of fear, I came to the gradual realization that it was true what people on the outside had been telling me, that health is the only immunity. We don't need protecting from out there.